Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Today's episode is brought to you by Fox and Stallion. Fox and Stallion is a Victorian mystery comedy fiction podcast about the best detective team on Baker Street. No, not that one. Season 2 will be airing in 2024 and is currently crowdfunding through May 1st. They have stickers, personalized in-universe thank you letters with wax seal, calligraphy, and all of it, and even a tier where they solve a mystery that you send them. They do want me to note Fox and Stallion cannot guarantee the solving of any mysteries, but they will try their absolute hardest for three to five audio minutes. This show also has everything you could want. Jewel heists, asexual detectives, lavender marriages, and a really old cat. You can find and listen to Fox and Stallion anywhere you listen to podcasts or on their website, 224bbaker.com. That's 224bbaker.com. Hello, this is Eleanor. I am coming to you today wrapped in my favorite, coziest sweatshirt. It's a black zip-up hoodie from Mount Absalom's 75th Annual Celery Festival. It is both cozy and a little creepy. So if you want to join me in repping unwell while being so very comfortable, please go check out our merch store. We have hoodies and t-shirts and tank tops, and also some things that are not for wearing on your body, like uh, coffee mugs, tote bags, and stickers. I suppose you could probably wear a tote bag on your body if you really, really wanted to, but it might be a little odd. Uh, So go check it out. All these things are at our website at unwellpodcast.com. That's unwellpodcast.com. Smile. Go to hell, Grant. It's got sound. What? Brand new machine. It records what you say, too. In that case, listeners, go to hell. Dot Harper, folks. Floating any names for it yet? It? The baby. I thought you might have meant one of my pregnancy hemorrhoids. They're getting big enough. Is Uncle Tim still downtown? Nah, he's outside doing some house stuff. House stuff. Really love the way you paint a picture with words. It takes a lot of work to keep a place like this running right. So, baby names? I'm thinking Bugsy No Neck Lagrange. But Dottie, what if you have a boy? <laughs> keep that up, Grant, and I won't name a hemorrhoid after you. <laughs> <laughs> got his heart set on a girl. I just want to be sure I don't have one of those alien... Oh, what's it called? I promise you, I don't know where you're going with this. Those alien... Those 
face huggers that bursts out of my belly and raises hell because it's starting to feel that way with every kick. Away. It was Eliza's. It's good luck. Is it, Grant? Abby? Hey, Abby? Abby? Hey, Abby! The artist at work. What's for breakfast? Clips. <laughs> I was gonna do pancakes, but we're out of baking powder. Can you? Christ, what's wrong? Should we get Tim? Oh, it's just saying hello. I am never going to get used to that. It grows on you. Can you pass the butter? Man, people really used to record everything. Dot, come in. You got the VCR set up? Looks like it. How? I was anticipating at least an hour of rigmarole. Muscle memory. Did you get the goods? Not yet. I'm still banned from the library, and the pages have gotten... assertive. My current plan is to find some local teens and pay them to check it out for me. You may have to come along. I don't know if they'll trust me. That sounds sketchier than intended. Are we paying them in cigarettes and beer? I see your point. And anyway, it's for the pursuit of knowledge. It's not... No, I'm saying you don't understand the teenage economy. Any fool can earn money babysitting or mowing lawns, but contraband is worth its weight in gold. You put me in charge of this part of the plan, and that means I'm in charge of deciding how much to corrupt the local youth. Hey, as long as you're here... You called for me. I did. And you came. And as long as you're here, can I borrow your eyes? Such as they are? Well, shit, you gotta be doing better than me. You need new glasses. My glasses are fine. It's the damn world that's gotten all goddamn blurry. Way. Which music box was that? We've got a pile in the basement, but if I don't have to go through every single one of them, that'd be... I can't make it out. The video's too grainy. Goddamn retro technology. Thanks for not asking if I can enhance it. Wait, can you do that? No. Have you ever heard that song before? It sounds like Claire de Lune, if it was played by someone with a genuinely calamitous sense of rhythm. It belonged to great-grandma Eliza. Then my apologies to her. Abby, if you could move with a little urgency here. I know you don't think it's going to come to anything. I know that. But I do. So if you could put yourself in my shoes for a sec. And ardently believe that somewhere in your grandma's extensive and creepy music box collection lies the secret to magically protecting the town. This is where your suspension of disbelief stops, really. At the place where we might be able to do something? Every time we dig in and look for concrete answers about the town's more opaque happenings, we end up with as many, if not more, questions than we started with. I'm tired. But today is a good day. It's a good day so far. That's no guarantee of the next second. If we squander that by getting out in the weeds of the swamp of this problem... Okay, Abby, if you want out... Yes. That's... Not what you're supposed to say. I have no interest in helping with this particular wild goose chase, but I've been meaning to check out a few books. We can still snag the next volume of Eliza's diary while we're there if we're strategic about it. To the library? I'll get the noisemakers. 
Okay, Dottie, here we go. That old book smell, a classic. Did she have to write so goddamn small? Hey, Dot, we're out of peanut butter. Wes, you know if it's not a creepy staircase or a dark room in the middle of a thunderstorm, you can just appear. Okay. Ah! (laughs) Hey, Wes. It seems rude not to knock. Is there anything else we should put on the list? Uh, I don't know. I'd say check the fridge. What's the matter? Wes, I'm not losing my sight along with my mind, right? This is legitimately hard to read. You already have glasses. That's what I said. What you need is bifocals. What's this? The Journal of Eliza Lyle Fenwood, Book 2, November 1900 to January 1902. Your Ancestor's Diary, Book 2? Book 1 covers her working as a telegraph operator in 1890s Cleveland and meeting her husband, Gregory. A lot about his shoulders and his whole physique. As in more than you'd want to hear about your great-grandpa. I don't remember my great-grandpa. I guess we'll have that in common soon enough. Anyway, I figured who would have a better handle on all this lupine bullshit than the people who probably had to deal with it before us. Pretty much everything of Calvin Lyle's got lost in the fire, but that still leaves Eliza, Grandpa Colin, and Uncle Grant. Why are you doing this in the office? Where's Lily? Out with Marisol. Their first date post-wolf infestation. Relationship milestone. Is that wise? They were going crazy cooped up in the house. And I know a thing about crazy. You're not keeping this project a secret from her, are you? I'm not hiding this from her. I just haven't mentioned it. There's a difference. Anyway, the office has the good chairs. If she asks what I was up to today, I'll tell her. In the meantime, I need to figure out how to read Eliza Fenwood's tiny-ass writing using only the powers of my mind. And you're planning on doing all this in one afternoon? It's just... Today is a good day. Yeah. I'm sharp. I'm ready. I feel good. That's great. I don't know how many of those I've got left. I could use a win. Everyone's so careful around me lately. Imagine the looks on their faces if I rolled up with the answer to our latest riddle. Do you want some help? I think it'd be better if I do this myself. Better for who? I'd owe you. So? You'd owe me. I know where you live. I can pay you in cigarettes and beer. Or money, if you want to be boring about it. You're doing this to try to help the town, right? That's the plan. Then one more time, I work for free. Okay, let's start at the beginning. November 9th, 1900. The Mount Absalom Suffragette Society held its inaugural meeting today. In attendance were myself, A.O., and Patches. We discussed a number of important matters, including how one may best enter the polls next year unnoticed, or at least unimpeded. It just says Patches? Are you sure? It just says Patches. Weird nickname. Do we think maybe a cat or a dog? I know she was supposed to be an eccentric, but she wasn't delusional. Maybe there was some kind of town rule about how many people you needed for a society and she was padding out the numbers? Uh, The meeting meeting was was held on the back porch so that all could attend more easily. A.O. supplied ample and delicious celery soda and chocolate cake, heartily enjoyed by all, save Patches. Dog? I'm thinking dog. Dog would make sense. 
Although I don't think cats really eat cake either. Uh, we, we elected, elected officers, voted on dues, and debated four proposals brought by either myself or AO. The time passed productively, although Patches took it upon herself to be a firm naysayer. Horse. Horse. Proposal one passed two to zero, with Patches abstaining. Skip to the next entry. More meeting minutes. It looks like <laughs> Patches got kicked out of the club after eating a page of their notes. Okay, skip to the next one. Uh, skip to the next one that's interesting. Oh, wow. Uh, here's something. November 23rd, 1900. I saw little L last night. I'd gotten up to use the privy, and when I came out, she was standing there in the frost. She looked so like herself that I knew her even in the mostly darkness, even at a distance. I asked her how mother and father fared, but she did not seem to hear. Instead, she smiled and pointed to the stars. We have been carefully tending to her grave and the graves of the rest of the family. I will not doubt Father's word again, save for his enthusiasm regarding rutabaga, which has always tasted to me like it was cooked in a sock. She held the pose for a good ten count, fingers stretched towards Cassiopeia or thereabouts. And then she was gone. Evaporated into the night. She appeared in fine health, as I remember her often being. It was good to see my sister. Hmm. I wonder if little L could be Lena Lyle. Were there other Lyle sisters with names that started with L? Somewhere in these papers are some family trees Abby made. Can you find the one marked Lyle Fenwoods? Lena Lyle, born 1876, died 1892 of tuberculosis. Siblings were Eliza, Penny, Charles, and Marcus. I thought she fell off the roof. We made that up for the ghost tour. Oh, right. It looks like all the Lyle siblings except for Eliza died of tuberculosis. Within a few years of each other. Yeah. I think I remember hearing about an outbreak. Eliza was spared because she was still in Cleveland. Cassiopeia, huh? Yeah. When you get a sec, can you ask Rudy? No. No. But I'll ask Nora the next time I see her. Um, next is, uh, looks like a recipe for stew. I think we can skip that one. Looks pretty standard. No rutabaga, which I guess makes sense. The last step says not to forget to add a clean penny to the pot. I've heard of adding coins to pudding for good luck, but stew? I can't remember the last time I made stew. Do you think that's why this place is creaking under the weight of its own debt? No money in the soup? Dot? Yeah. No offense, but are you going to spend the whole time reading over my shoulder? Read is a strong word. Her handwriting looks like a dog ate it. Are you going to spend the whole time squinting at the paper because you need to go to the eye doctor over my shoulder? Hold your goddamn horses. Did I grab Colin's journal from the basement? Here. Bypassing the front part, it's mostly baseball. First the season, then looking forward to the next season. You read it already? Years ago, the first time I stayed here. Was it for a history project? History schmistery. Nothing like the thrill of reading someone else's diary. February 27th, 1937. Rain all day. 
More rainfall than I can remember ever seeing at one time. <laughs> a good day to be indoors. I, I can't stop thinking about the rabbits we see in the back sometimes. Much as they love making a meal of the garden, I hope they're not too miserable. It is the kind of rain that lets you know how Noah and his ark must have felt. First sports, then the weather? Get it together, Colin. Hmm. Well? The roof is leaking upstairs. They need to patch it up and fix the water damage, which calls for a meeting with a man named Mr. Sprouse. The roofer? No. Grandpa Colin's really worried about the meeting. I think they need to ask the bank for a loan. Meanwhile, Grandma Leah is freaking out because her sister Kelly is going in for major surgery the same day in Boston, and she wants to be there. Couldn't Colin do the meeting alone? Grandma Leah handled the books while she was alive. Had a real head for numbers. She's actually the one who made me want to be an engineer. When we were waiting for our food at restaurants, she would write out... Oh, what are they called? Um, math problems for us to solve together. March 5th, Grandma Leah sets off for Boston in the car by herself. Very daring. March 6th. Exhausted. I think it went well. Leah did great. I guess she turned around. What's that? What's in there? It's a letter. March 7th. Dear Mr. Fenwood, I wanted to write a quick note after our meeting yesterday to thank you again for the delicious coffee and homemade pie. (laughs) What? Grandma Leah couldn't bake for shit. Mr. Sprouse, you charmer. It was so good to talk to you and your wife. And I meant what I said about the two of you and this place. The good work you're doing here and the good things you contribute to this community, even in hard times especially in hard times. It is not an easy thing for the bank to extend credit at this moment, but it would be my honor to offer you a loan of $300. Meet me on Tuesday and we can discuss the particulars. My very best wishes to the Fenwood family, Wilfred Sprouse. Yikes, what a name. March 8th. Kelly's condition is much improved. Leah is heading home tomorrow. I can't wait. Hang on. Did she stay or did she go? Do you think maybe... What? In the basement, how you saw Lily while she was gone. Are we sure that wasn't just the dizzy D? The what? The dementia, Wes. Keep up. That's not funny. Well, if I don't make a joke about it, I'm going to vibrate through the floor, so let's just move on. Abby and Marisol saw her too. A younger Lily. She wasn't a hallucination. I think she was... like me. And I think the Leah that Colin and the banker saw was like me, too. Whatever that means. Wes? I'm fine. Keep going. March March 20th, 1937. Watered them again. They thrive. It appears to do no good. March 22nd, 1937. Again, watered nothing. March 29th, 1937. On the advice of a helpful lodger, Ms. Aaron, I have decided to move to a -a once-a-week schedule. Uh, I might have been overwatering. May 27, 1937. Once again, I watered them. They are growing in leaps and bounds. Still nothing. You get the picture. It's a lot of this. If the plants are growing, what is he waiting for? I lost patience, to be honest. Hmm. Can I see? Hmm. What? 
June 24th, 1937. The flowers are out in full. Nothing. I don't think of Grandad or Mother as a liar, but I am beginning to think I will never see her again. I don't understand what I did wrong. I served faithfully. I honored the rules. A penny in the pot for prosperity. A bloom on the grave for their return. I have opened the doors. I have watered the stones. I have tightened the ropes. I have counted the stars. I have sounded the bells. I have washed for the one in the night. Was there something else I was supposed to do? Leah says, death comes for everyone. How do I explain this is Mount Absalom? It sounds silly to say out loud. She says I will need to find other ways to keep the ones I've lost in my life, which I suppose most people do. Loss is as common as corn, but I feel like a space explorer landing on Mars. There is never a map. Grant and Margaret barely got the chance to know her. I think that hurts worst of all. A bloom on the grave for their return. I don't think I've heard that one before. Hang on. Hang on. We have been... Carefully tending to her grave in the graves of the rest of my family. I will not doubt Father's word again. Is it just me, or are these entries referring to the same thing? It kind of sounds like they used to think that growing a flower over someone's burial plot would ensure that they'd come back. Like I did. Or like I thought I did. God, I don't... Are you okay? What am I? Wes, honey... I hate it. I hate having no answers. I hate that I worked so hard to remember who I was, and now it turns out that I might not even be him. I'm not a ghost. I'm not Theodore Wesley. He's just this stranger whose memories I stole. On the plus side, he was from the 1950s, so, you know, you're probably a better cook. God. Canned tuna encased in green jello. That's what you escaped. You can't joke this into being okay. You've got no idea what it's like not to know where you came from, who you are. As long as we're taking this little jaunt down memory lane. So, my mom, and my dad, but mostly my mom, was real strict with me growing up. She had a lot of ideas about how a lady was supposed to act. Lord knows where she picked those up since great-grandma Eliza was a hoot and a half. But, you know, I could never be what she wanted. And to be honest, I gave up trying pretty soon. But it was rough. It hurt. At least you knew where you... I'm not done. Then one night, when I was supposed to be asleep, I was maybe 17, and I overheard my parents having a fight. And my mom kept saying... What if she turns out just like her, like Lucy? Which was weird, because I didn't think we knew anyone named Lucy. So, feeling like a much cooler Nancy Drew, like a Trixie Belden, let's say, she was... I know who Trixie Belden was. What did you do? I called Grant and Tim, told them I already knew all about who Lucy was and why had they kept her a secret from me. And that's how I found out that the people I knew as my parents couldn't actually have kids. That biologically, I came from a good Catholic girl who got knocked up in college, daughter of a friend of a friend of a friend of my mom's. So Lucy took about a seven-month trip out of state, and my parents came home with a baby. And that was... I don't know if you ran into this much, Wes, but that was kind of how adoption was done back then. Nobody talked about it. It just kind of happened. You don't talk about it either. I guess I don't. I'm not 
ashamed. It just doesn't come up much. Did you look for her, Lucy? No. Why not? Well, for one thing, it would have devastated my parents if they found out I knew. For another, I'd already tried to be my mom, you know, and I had made a terrible Margaret. Honestly, when I found out, what I felt was this tremendous sense of relief. Because I still had all the love they'd given me. And they were tough, but they were loving. But I didn't have to be her. And I didn't have to be Lucy either. What I felt was... It was like... Have you ever heard that 1970s Jackson Brown song, I Am a Child in These Hills? No. Before your time. After it. Right. Well, anyway, what I realized was that I could do whatever I wanted. I could just be Dot. So I should just be Wes? Whoever you are now. Those memories you got back still have an impact on you. They still help shape the you that you are. And even if you are not exactly the spirit of Theodore Wesley, you still have them. You get to decide what they mean. And that's not easy, but you have a long time to figure that out. You are a child in these hills, Wes, looking for water and looking for life. What? Jackson Brown. I already told you that doesn't mean anything to me. I know, but it's a really good song. Thanks. For talking? Yeah, it's what I do. Does Lily know? About Lucy? Yeah. It never mattered to her. Margaret and Don did the grandparent stuff. Margaret and Don were her grandparents. You do West stuff. You're West. Should we get back to the journals? Do you want to? Yeah. Okay. Where were we? Looks like they thought growing a flower over the coffin would bring someone back. But it didn't work, right? Right. It's a moot point anyway. We're not trying to bring anyone back. We just need a way to reinforce the borders around the town. We're looking for wards, barriers, protections... All kinds of shitty things happened in olden times. There would be plenty of reasons for these people to write about taking extra steps to keep this place secure. Anything? I'm learning a lot more about baseball than I ever wanted to know. Got anything on your end? Patches was readmitted to the suffragette club after she bit the mayor. Huh. What? Could be nothing. If it's not about the Cincinnati Reds climbing up the goddamn 1938 National League, I'm interested. December 11th, 1900. Much to J.W.'s displeasure, I have set it to music so that it may more easily be passed down for posterity and should need arise. I have opted for something of a hymnal style after G. reluctantly informed me that ragtime would simply not suit. J.W. insisted that this pursuit was a disgrace to the old ways, etc., etc. But the thing is done. G. pronounced it a great success. I have already begun to teach the song to B., who seems to greatly enjoy clapping along with her fat little hands. Set what to music? It doesn't say. Looking at the family tree, G. could be great-grandpa Gregory. That's what I'm thinking. And B. Bridget, her firstborn. J.W. If having a stick up one's ass is genetic, could that be a Warren? It's probably better not to jump to conclusions. There could be plenty of other people with those initials at that time. Looks like 
There was a Walker family who settled here in the 1850s, and the Weinbergs came in the late 1880s. If it was a Warren weighing in, that suggests it might have been important. Look back. Nothing. You know what I'm thinking? There's a pile of old sheet music in the basement. On it. What else you got for me, Colin? June 15th, 1938. Johnny Vandermeer is now the first major league player in history to pitch two consecutive no-hitters. The first was on the 11th at Crosley Field, and the second being tonight at Ebbets Field against the Dodgers. Huh. The Dodgers. That's something. Thanks, Colin! J.W. J.W. Where did Abby leave those family trees? Aha! The Warrens. 1900, so J.W. would probably be at least 20? Born, let's say, 1880 or before? Why is it so hard to read? Because you need new glasses, Dottie. Shut up! Well, what do you know? Born 1858, Jacob Warren died 1927. That would put him at about 42, In 1900, prime stick-up-the-butt years. Dot Harper, historical detective. Who are you talking to? Mind your business. Did the house used to have a piano? Not the toy piano in the attic, but a real one? We still do. It's back in the storage room somewhere under a heap of crap. Nobody played. Lily took lessons as a kid, but she didn't stick with it, and I couldn't justify keeping it tuned. Why? There is a lot of sheet music in this house. Any old enough for our purposes? Let's see. We need something from about 1900, probably handwritten, and not a weird old novelty song. I like bananas because they have no bones. Fair enough, dead songwriter. Fair enough. Anything? No dates, but this paper seems like the oldest. Does this look like Eliza's handwriting to you? You mean, does it look like it was written by a baby mouse? Novelty song, novelty song, definitely a novelty song. Oh, this last one could be something. Let me see. Here. You were birthed before the first fall, from the stars down to the soft loam. Can't you read music? How does it go? Hang on. To the attic! Let's see. It's not really in tune. Wes, I am begging you, just play the song, please. You were birthed before the first fall From the stars down to the soft loam May you shepherd us from ill Why does that sound familiar? Because it's the same tune as the town anthem. Go on. Mount Absalom, Mount Absalom, a barrier will build. For though the one at night does roam, we shall protect you still. 
May you answer in the bell's calls. May you drink it from the old stones. May you bless the earth we till. Mount Absalom, Mount Absalom, when water from the hill meets water from the hall and home, we know that we do your will. Weird lullaby. I don't think it's a lullaby. The U is capitalized. Weird hymn? Most hymns are about asking the big guy to protect us, not offering protection. A barrier we'll build. That sounds like something, right? Too bad it doesn't say what the barrier is. The town's will is to mix water from the hall, the home, and the hill. The home is Fenwood, right? Eliza meant her home. That makes sense. The hall? What hallway has a sink in it? Could be town hall. In that case, what's the hill? The observatory? Water from the hill, though. What water from the hill? Rain runoff? Wait, what if it's the font? The what? When Abby went through the hole in the bottom of the observatory, they found a chapel with a baptismal font. It was empty, but maybe not back then. But what's the water source in town hall? If Chester Warren's got a secret river in the basement like the Phantom of the Opera, I want to know about it. That seems like a moot point, given the baptismal font's dry. Yeah. Dead end? It's a shame she went to so much trouble composing a whole song for it. I wish I could just ask her. Know for sure. That's the weird thing about getting into history, right? The closer you feel to them, the sharper the distance. If that JW is Jacob Warren, why was she sharing this with him? What did she think that was going to do? How come Jacob Warren got to understand it and we can't? If JW does mean Jacob Warren, who's to say they never got along? Maybe they started out working on all this together and something happened. What? I don't know. All the times I've sung the town anthem, I never knew she wrote the melody. It's catchy. Better than that creepy old music box. Which one? The one that plays Claire de Lune but with the rhythm all janky. There's just this weird mix of long notes and short notes, like it's random, like... Wait, hang on. It grows on you. Can you pass the butter? Not if I eat it first. The whole thing, like a banana. (laughs) Really damn insistent with that hello. Can you pass me that pen and the paper? Sure thing. You know what I'm thinking? Great-grandma Eliza was a telegraph operator. Do you think she taught the house how to use Morse code? I think that makes as much sense as any other damn thing that's happened. Wes, any chance it's one of your scout things? I never finished my sign signals and codes badge. What are the odds the internet? Definitely. So we have dot 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 dash dot dot Dot, dash, dash, dot. What does that spell? H-E-L-P. That must have been why he thought it was saying hello. Do we think this whole time maybe the house has been signaling to us? Maybe when I first took over, but it must have learned pretty quick to try something else. 
In the meantime... What? That music box with the wrong tempo? Oh, wow. Hang on. For what? He's gone, Dot. Here we go. My mom taught that song to all her students. Theodore's mom. Whatever makes sense to you, that's what counts. The mom I remember. It was stuck in our heads all the time. Sometimes when she wanted to be annoying, she would hum the first couple of notes and get it stuck there all night. No, you know what? I'm the only one with these memories now. She's my mom. Right on. In the Hall of the Mountain King is sort of an odd choice. Grandpa Colin had a friend who was kind of a general tinkerer. During the first part of the Depression, when Eliza was still alive, Grandpa Colin would commission new music boxes for her. Especially when his friend was hurting for money. Is this the one? Yeah. Gosh, that's a little painful. Right? Okay. Internet at the ready? Let's go. Do you have it? Huh. Huh? 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 What? Pins and needles over here, Wes! It says, water the stones. Huh. This episode features... Dallas Seeker as Grant Fenwood. Marsha Harmon as Dot. Kathleen Hoyle as Abby. Michael Turrentine as Wes. David Reinstrom as Colin Fenwood. Jill Oliver as Eliza Fenwood. Written by Jessica Best. Sound design by Jeffrey Nils Gardner. Directed by Jeffrey Nils Gardner. Music composed by Stephen Poon. Recording engineer, Mel Ruder. Unwell lead sound designer, Eli Hamada McElveen. Executive producers, Eleanor Hyde and Jeffrey Nils Gardner. By Heartlife NFP. And a special thank you to our supporting producers, Calico Davis, Steve Diamond, Adam Goodman, J.D. Horn, Nick Keenan, Carolyn Koskasten, Megan McLean, Alex Rivas, and Caitlin White. Heartlife wishes to acknowledge that the land where we live, work, and tell our stories is occupied land. Unwell takes place in southern Ohio, which is the territory of the Miami people. Unwell is produced in Chicago, Illinois, which is the territory of the Peoria, the Potawatomi, and the Miami peoples.
the Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. In the year 1889, there was nowhere in the world more exciting than London, England. Three cheers for Inspector Lestrade and the bad boys of Baker Street themselves, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. John Watson! Solved! By Sherlock Bloody Holmes of 221B Baker Street. Well, with any luck, we'll get a new brutal murder any day now. God, I wish. It's truly shocking you haven't solved anything in five years. The boys are both out of town for some case about a dog in Dartmoor this weekend. Sincerely, Martha Hudson. London's number two detective team just became number one. Fox and Stallion. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at 224BBaker or on our website, 224BBaker.com. It's like they say, big breaks are 90% luck. What's the other 10%? Luck.